Hello, and welcome to Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. On this week's design discussion, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will discuss a board game and have a related design discussion. Hi, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, everybody. We are here for a very special episode. Episode 64. Oh, well, that doesn't sound very special, but the <laughs> no, content no. <laughs> is very special. <laughs> yes, no, it is the our year-end episode, everyone's favorite. I, I hope it's everyone's favorite. We certainly have a lot of fun with it. So what we're doing is we're going to look back at all the games that we reviewed this year on the podcast, and that's Peter and I reviewing them together. So it is a... A sort of like special set of rules, things that we reviewed with other people or things that I reviewed on the YouTube channel, those will not appear on this list. All right, but before we get too much into this episode, I just wanted to do a special shout out and thanks to Jamie Stegmeyer. I mean, the guy is an amazing human being. So he had a charity auction where he asked us because he loves the podcast and he wanted to do, give back a little bit and he does that for not just our podcast, but other content as well that he enjoys. And he does a charity auction, and he raised $1,500 for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. So PanCan is just amazing. He asked us what charity we wanted to do, and I have some personal ties to pancreatic cancer, so it was very important for me. And, you know, it's just so heartfelt, and so we just, I can't thank him enough. What an amazing person, and, you know, as well as a great designer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really got into Scythe this year, especially Solo Scythe, and man, that is an amazing game. And and really, I just want to say thank you to all of our, our guests. We had some really great guests this year. We had Chris Kirkman from Dice Hate Me. We had Jamie. We had the Sadler Brothers. We, we talked had Matt to, Leacock, I yeah, think. He's exactly, the one who started that's it. what I was about to say. We had Matt Leacock, I mean, and a bunch of others. Just re- really great people this year, so... Thanks, everyone, who supported the podcast and kind of came along with us on the ride. Absolutely. No, it's been a special year. And Liz, too, who I hung out with at PAX Unplugged, so she was a great one to have on, too, for Dragonfire. Yeah, and Jason Perez, we had on several times. He's kind of our our, <laughs> our regular dude here now. Yep, and Dan from League Nonsense. I think that might have been it for all our guests. Hopefully I didn't miss anybody. Well, let's see, uh, you weren't on for this episode, but Eric Rail with the documentary about uh, board game designers, that was a pretty cool episode. Yeah, and I know Colin and Steve had other people as well, like the people from SEAL Team Flicks were on. Yeah, and Ricky Royal, wasn't that this year as well, talking about Renegade? Yeah, man, it has been, you know, for something we started literally just on a whim one day to extend out, I guess our Slack is new this year too, just to extend to the area that it's gotten to is pretty amazing for us. So thank you, everybody, because without you, we wouldn't keep doing it. That's for sure. Absolutely. And we are going to kind of look at the year in review after our list, right? So should I save some of my thoughts for that? Yeah. Do you want to go over the fan selection first? So I asked people both on our Slack and on Reddit what their favorite new-to-them game was this year, and we got a lot of interesting responses. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear them. You you have all the data, so I'm just kind of waiting with bated breath. So there are 45 games on the list, and basically I asked people on the Slack and on Reddit, what is your favorite new co-op to you this year? So first time they played it was this year, and we got a, a big selection of stuff from stuff from this year, a lot of stuff from the end of last year. So the games on the top of the list will sound very familiar to people from our last year's list. So I think 
games that didn't get to people last year, a lot of people played them for the first time this year. So uh, what were like the big winners on the list out of those 45? Okay, so 45 games. Here's a little bit of other information. Eight games had more than one vote. Okay. So there are eight kind of that rose from the top of those 45. 19 of the games we had covered out of the 45. 13 we own and will cover sometime. And 13 we don't have at all. So there are some games that are, you know, interesting out there that people really had fun with this year that you know, that we hadn't even heard of yet. And I I would say that we are pretty on top of the pulse of the co-op, but you know, there are some of these that we, we just missed. I got to say, I still every day in the Slack and by the way, join our Slack. There's a link in the show notes, but yeah, every day on the Slack, somebody throws out some amazing sounding co-op that I've never heard of. And like, we are literally (laughs) spending hours a week covering co-op. So it, it just blows my mind that there are so many great games coming out these days. It's, It's a blessing and a curse in a way, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so number one, you have any guess at all? New to them. Maybe still Spirit Island? Yeah, Spirit Island had 17 total votes, as many as the next six games on the list combined. Yeah, I mean, I know on the Slack, because a lot of the responses were from there, we we just push that game on anybody who will take it, so I'm not too surprised by that. And just to be fair here, most of the votes actually came from Reddit. Most of the votes are not from Slack. We had a lot of discussion on Slack, but more votes actually came from Reddit. Oh, interesting, and they love Spirit Island too. That's They love it. 15 of the 17 votes, actually only two of them came from Slack for Spirit Island. So, interesting. Number two, any guess there? I mean, Gloomhaven, maybe? Gloomhaven's number two, that's right. <laughs> you want to keep going? Let's see how far you can get. Number three. Well, it's interesting that they're like number one and number two are our best ones from last year. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're just yeah. a little bit ahead of the game. Uh, and uh, Gloomhaven had five votes. So it went from 17 down to five wow. pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Nope. It is on the list, but that one only got one vote. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I don't What's another one of our favorites? Another top downloaded episode everybody seems to like. Uh, Deep Madness? No, that one's on the list. I think that one only got one vote, too. Well, no, I think that one's not available enough yet. Like, people are still doing the second Kickstarter. I would bet Deep Madness might be higher next year when more people get their hands on it. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Number two is Aeon... Or, I'm sorry, number three is Aeon's End. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yep. girl. Yep. And then there's a bunch tied with two here. We had Arkham Horror LCG, Chronicles of Crime, Escape the Dark Castle, which I don't know anything about, but makes me curious. Huh. Just One, which is a new game, so that one may be near the top of the list next year, too. It's a party I've seen game. that game. I'm really excited about that one. I want to play that soon. You played that at uh, PAX Unplugged, didn't you? I did, and I had a lot of fun with it. It's really great, although I'll say a lot of our games are good with lower player counts. This one won't be. I mean, this one I think you got to play with all seven people. I mean, you might be able to get away with five, six, or seven, but it's certainly a party game as well as a co-op game, and I had a lot sure. of fun with that one. And the only other one with two votes is The Mind. So just to clarify, Arkham LCG got two or more votes, but Lord of the Rings LCG did not. Do you want to know how many votes Lord of the Rings got? Well, gosh, I hope zero. Uh, you are you are correct. It is zero. And I will Although, say, to be fair, it is a much older game, so I guess new to them is it less likely <laughs> with that one. That's true. I will say, though, they were both also from Reddit, so this wasn't people from the Slack. And no, the two votes for Arkham LCG weren't Mike and I. Just so... <laughs> 
it's not new to me this year. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I think Escape the Dark Castle is the one that kind of popped up that I didn't know much about that has me most interested to check it out here the near, near future. And hey, speaking of escaping something, we will have Escape the Hidden Temple on uh, our list later. So, there yes. we go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Spoiler alert. By the way, we're going to have also 19 other games that we covered this year. So. <laughs> All right, so what, what other stat goodness do you have? That was basically it. I, I just thought it was interesting. Pandemic got a vote, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, and Pandemic Legacy Season 2 all got one vote. So some love for the Pandemic family out there. When I got to say, Pandemic Fall of Rome looks amazing, and I almost got it, but that'll probably be a next year play at this rate. Exactly. And the only one of the Forbidden series that got a vote was Forbidden Desert. So no island or sky, which is brand new. So that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. And now we're going to play for you a couple of clips that we got from the Slack and some other thoughts on top games of the year. Hey, Co-OpCast. I'm Chris Powers, and you can find me on the Slack channel. If you're not there, you are missing out. First, big thanks and congratulations to Mike, Peter, Steve, and Elijah for another year of Co-OpCast. I have loved every episode. Keep them coming, guys. So in 2018, the game I played the most was Spirit Island. I got to it pretty late, but it's been an instant hit. The biggest letdown of 2018 was Detective, a modern crime board game. It just didn't do it for me. Thankfully, the best surprise of 2018 has been The Chronicles of Crime. It's so fun, so accessible, it hits everything that Detective was missing. Finally, honorable mentions to Heroes of Terranoth. It's the perfect game to grab when the thought of setting up Gloomhaven is just too much to bear. Thanks to everyone that makes the co-op cast community great, and here's to a very cooperative 2019. Man, Chris is, like, totally after my own heart, <laughs> especially <laughs> feeling, well, you know, don't want to give away the list, but feeling let down by Detective and then liking the three other games. All of those are ones that I really enjoyed this year. So, yeah, good job, Chris. I agree with you. Yeah, and here's the other thing I just realized by this list. There are a couple big Fantasy Flight releases that came out near the end of the year. Those will be on our list. I mean, trust me, we're going to review Heroes of Terranoth. We're reviewing Arkham 3rd Edition. That'll actually be our next full episode. So don't worry. They're going to be on there. To be honest, they probably wouldn't have made the top of my list this year anyway. So uh, I don't mind holding them off for another year, and maybe they'll be on the top of next year's list. Who knows? Both of those would have been contenders for like the top half of my list. Not like the top three, but like the top ten or so, potentially. Yeah, exactly. All right, so now somebody else from the Slack. Let's go and hear what Dave has to say. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm quite new to the hobby, so most games, even the older ones, were new to me in 2018. My wife and I play a lot of co-op games, but aren't shy to slaughter each other in a game of dice thrown either. But co-ops is what we're here for. Our favorite we got early in the year was Aeon's End. After playing just two games, we had to get the expansions. It wasn't easy to find the second edition expansions of the original game, but eventually they were added to the collection. Just last month I also added War Eternal and its expansions too while we were in Essen. We also got the mine while we were there. Best thing is, we got top results when I play with my grandfather. The man is 85 years old and he still loves his games. After some friendly advice in the Slack channel, I felt like I had no other choice than to buy Spirit Island. 
Admittedly, it was on my wish list, but I just like to blame Colin, Mike, Steve, and Peter for any money I spend. We even played Spirit Island over Skype with other Slack members, and it worked great. We have another session planned for Sunday. And last but certainly not least, I got Heroes of Theranoth on a Black Friday deal. I had not played Warhammer Quest, so it was all new to me. I've already played a few games, some co-op and others solo, and it's a nice challenge. Well, those were the best games for us this year, but I'm still hoping to convince my wife to get me Gloomhaven or Mage Knight for Christmas, but we'll see how that goes. Of course, a big thank you to the Co-opcast crew, and happy holidays to all you listeners out there. Man, what a <laughs> what a great story with the mind. That that was awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I hope to be that 85-year-old grandfather someday. Still out there playing games and like, you know, what's the new hotness? Bring it to me. Yeah, and it's interesting with uh, Chris and then Dave because Chris, I know on the Slack, has talked about how he's he's like the craziest mind player in the world that I'm aware of. He played like two full games with his wife or girlfriend in a row, perfect, with like no <laughs> misses whatsoever. Like they were just that in sync. That's pretty amazing. It, it's cool how the mind is kind of, I mean, we'll we'll talk more about it later, but it's one of those games that it's so dumb. You know, everybody wishes they designed that thing because it's like, come on, really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also, uh, j- just a quick mention, a uh, big thank you to Dave and some of the other people on our Slack because we've been having, uh, we had an open offer for playtesting uh, one of our current designs, and Dave has been really, really into the design and has played it, I don't know, at least like six or seven times. So p- pretty awesome commitment there for somebody to print out a game that has a lot of components and then play it so many times and really enjoy it. So Dave, you're amazing. Playtesting is something that, you know, it's not for everybody, and we really do appreciate everyone who's put in effort on that. So thank you to everybody over on the Slack who who has, you know, either helped us out with the rules or printed it off and played it, or, you know, some of them are fancying it up themselves. It, it's really neat what a, what a group project it has become. Absolutely. Did you have one more clip, Peter? Yep, the last one's from Jason. So, hey, Jason. <laughs> our old friend at Every Night is Game Night. So here's Jason's clip. Yo, my peoples, what's up? This is Jason from the Every Night is Game Night podcast. And I had to think long and hard about my 2018 co-op of the year. The answer is probably Chronicles of Crime, the app-integrated case-solving bonanza that I've had a lot of fun with. I gave a very positive review on my podcast. However, it's, at the end of the day, gussied up case solving, which that's been done many, many, many times, the case solving genre, so I wanted to go in a little bit of a different direction. I thought long and hard about some family way co-ops, like Forbidden Sky, which I think is not getting enough of the buzz that it deserves. Also, now boarding the Tim Fowers game about flying airplanes, which I thought was excellent as well. Thought also about Street Masters. Street Masters is probably the game that I've had the most fun with on a pure kind of enjoyment level, but I have to admit that I've had the most fun with that game solo and two players. I think that game struggles at higher player counts, so I went in a little bit different direction from there. So for my ultimate choice, I went to a new contender at the very end of the year, kind of sneaking in under the uh, finished wire, so to speak. This is The Grizzled 
Armistice Edition. This is a re-implementation of the Grizzled. Uh, you get the Grizzled and At Your Order, basically the entire uh, set of those two expansions in the Armistice Edition, but it adds so much more. It basically does for the Grizzled what Scythe, the Rise of Fenris did for Scythe, and I thought Scythe, the Rise of Fenris was my expansion of the year. Adds co-op to that game as well, so co-op for, <laughs> co-op for everybody. Uh, but the Grizzled Armistice Edition adds a campaign mode. It adds all sorts of different uh, wrinkles as you kind of go through this campaign. It's very poignant. Uh, the art is very poignant. Just it's, a, it's just a really, really great package. Go ahead and check that one out. That is the Grizzled Armistice Edition. I'm hope looking forward to see if Peter and Mike get that to the table for a review. So that is my 2018 co-op of the year. Take care, guys. Later. Yeah, you know, I've been hearing very similar thoughts to Jason's on the Slack from Steve, another one of our co-hosts. He says that the Grizzled is way better with the expansion, and I guess the Armistice Edition kind of includes that and also just upgrades some things. It's got miniatures. Have you seen it? No, miniatures don't sell me at all. (laughs) They're painted miniatures. It's crazy. Uh, Well, see, now I'm less interested in it because that game doesn't need miniatures. (laughs) No, it doesn't at all. But that being said, like, I really did not like the Grizzled when I played it without the expansion, but I would be totally willing to try it again and see if I was wrong, because I'd like to be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when everybody likes a game except you, you always wonder if it's you, you know? Absolutely. (laughs) Alrighty, well, thanks to all our contributors, both on Slack, on Reddit. We totally appreciate everybody for chiming in. And now let's get to our top games of the year. So again, these are, and uh, there were, by the way, 20 of them, and even 20, which is kind of cool. These are the games that Peter and I, together, on a podcast episode, reviewed in detail. We're going to go from the bottom of our list, number 20, all the way up to number one, and let's see where we are similar and where we are very different. Now, did you break your list out into categories or anything like that? No, I just have, I just have a straight 20 to 1. Okay. I kind of had tears on mine, and I guess we could talk about it at the end of the list. Well, I mean, I, I have tiers, too. The bad tier and the good tier. And the bad <laughs> tier is probably... Let's see. The, the the bottom seven games are games that I actively dislike for one reason or another. The top 13 games are games that I generally like. <laughs> so I guess there's a pretty big uh, split between number 14 and number 13. Yeah, I mean, I kind of went with uh, four tiers. My top three are what I consider to be elite games. Games that I can never imagine not liking. Just games I had a blast with and kind of blew my mind. My next three, so, you know, top six, are no question buys for me. So, like, I think everybody should own them. And then you go from number seven down to... I went all the way down to 16 and said those are all good games. Some people are going to like them, some aren't. And then my bottom four, I don't even want to play again. (laughs) Yeah, I have some of those on my list as well. Alrighty, so let's start with you. What's your number 20, Mike? My number 20 is Thanos Rising. Hey, uh, simpatico. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, wasn't sure, I wasn't sure which of the bad ones would be the worst for you. But yeah, this game, uh, I, did, I did a video review of it as well. It's poorly balanced. It has no choice. It can go way too long. But you can also lose at the drop of a hat for no good reason. Um, it wastes a great theme completely. So yeah, it's just uh, not good. Great theme, really good components, really cool stuff. And I was just sad when I played it. It just, yeah, it it wasn't fun. You know, the big problem I have with it and the difference between it and the Reckoners is the Reckoners gave you enough dice to do stuff and Thanos Rising just didn't. 
And then if you failed to do anything, you're punished more because now you're behind the eight ball and you're not getting more dice and you're not getting more powers. Like the cool part about games like this where you level up is you level up and become more powerful throughout the game. But you'll just have turns in Thanos Rising where you're just wasting your time. And you don't get any better, and so you fall behind the curve. So we don't need to talk any more about it. But yeah, the worst game on our list this year for both of us, Thanos Rising. And speaking of wasting your time, how about my number 19, Dragonfire? Oh, it's not my number 19. Okay. Well, for me, um, I never liked the idea of Shadowrun, although to be fair, I never played it. Even though I love the Shadowrun theme and have played many other Shadowrun games. But I was kind of excited about Dragonfire because it was a second attempt, so I figured they would fix some of the balance issues I had heard about. But no, they didn't. Uh, in fact, I've heard some people say it's worse. The game can be ridiculously difficult almost all the time. The only way to get better is to grind and grind the same very limited number of missions that are provided. And it's just a totally underwhelming and frustrating experience. And it's not that I don't think the gameplay could be good, but it's, you know, when I get nothing from playing it most of the time, and it's just so swingy in how the game goes, I, I couldn't get behind it at all. Yeah, yeah. That one will be soon. Yeah, I was going to say, I, it can't be too much <laughs> lower. So here, here's where I break the internet and piss off a lot of people. A lot of people. Now, this is just for me, but my number 19 was Detective, a modern crime board game. Uh, I mean, I'm not pissed off. There's no game that made me more angry this year, and I felt like I wasted more time with than that game. Well, I don't know. There's another one, actually, which is not on my list. Did we not review it this year? Which one? Pandemic Legacy Season 2? That was last year. That was last year. That was the end of last year. Okay. Well, that game pissed me off just as much. But (laughs) (laughs) the reason both of these I have such a visceral reaction toward is because I felt like they wasted my time. And so Detective is probably not worse than some of these other games, but I want to play it less than any of these other games because I felt like I wasted three or four hours playing it. And don't get me wrong, I have talked to many, many people who really like Detective, and I don't think those people are wrong for liking it for them. But for me, no, not at all. I I don't ever want to play it again. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you, mostly. So my number 18 is Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. This is another one I did a video review for. I think it is the worst. Yeah, I've played a bunch, and I think it is the worst deck builder I've played in terms of actual deck building. I think it is (laughs) kind of incredibly backwards in every, like, sort of deck builder mechanic that it could include. I wanted to like it a lot, and I did enjoy my first several plays, especially with my wife, who's a huge Harry Potter fan. But even she soured on it with her loving the the content so much. And yeah, I just got rid of my copy uh, at PAX Unplugged. So happy that I do not have to own it anymore. Yeah. So my number 18, you've already talked about, is Dragonfire. I think as a concept, I liked it. I enjoyed what I was doing while I was playing it. But the swinginess really bothers me. I think the artwork is good. I think the concepts are good. I think the campaign is very flawed. I I don't understand why it is the way it is. I think the intro mission is very flawed. I don't know why they made that the tutorial where you basically can't win. They just keep throwing stuff at you. So there were some problems with the game in general, but I didn't mind what I was doing. That's why it made it above Detective for me. Now, am I going to play it again? No. Am I going to explore the expansions? No. I mean, unless something really drastically changes, but I did enjoy it and I've 
at least thought about it since. So, my number 18, Dragonfire. All right, so my number 17 is one you already talked about, Detective. And I'll agree with pretty much everything Peter said. I do think that we had a little bit of groupthink here, where our group that was playing it had bad experiences and it soured the whole game for us. But that being said, it was a really bad experience and I really didn't have fun, so I got to put the game down where I do. But in our review, I also pointed out some design choices that I think are very flawed for a mystery game like this. There's some cool things they do too, but I think the design choices were bad. That being said, I would be willing to play a new version of Detective, and I know they're doing another one. If, I don't know, I don't think they're going to fix the things that bother me. I just might be able to give it another shot, and hopefully we'll just solve the mysteries better. So yeah, Detective, underwhelming. Uh, we 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 did not need to finish it we we played through the first three missions and that was good for me yeah yeah all right well our bottom four are all the same because my number 17 is harry potter hogwarts battle oh wow i thought that'd be way higher for you you know it's funny because we recommend this or at least i do on episode zero as a good game for new co-op players to play and i don't think i'm gonna back off that statement no, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> you know? Like, the first four or five missions are really good. It's just the higher-end play of that game is not good. And they doubled down on it with the expansion, which I don't get. They, like, started at the very end, where it was way too long. It had the problem of no way to end the game on the negative side, if you got in a good loop where you could just keep removing those tokens from the locations, there was no way for the game to progress. So, I mean, it could literally go on forever. Yeah, I mean, the first couple games are fun, and then it loses something as you play further and further into it. So, you know, but as an intro game, you know, if you're going to play those first four or five, those are those are super fun. I really enjoyed exploring and seeing what new cards came up. All right. You know, and actually... As I do, as I look at my number 16, 15, 14, I guess I kind of agree with you. The bottom four are the ones that I don't feel a need for anybody to own. This next one, I don't mind that you own it, and I think you'll have it a lot higher. But my number 16 is Five Minute Dungeon. And I did find this to be a fairly mindless real-time exercise, and I like real-time. You'll, you'll hear several other ones higher up on the list. But, yeah, there just wasn't a lot there. There were balance issues, which thankfully they fixed for Five Minute Marvel. And overall, I actually liked 5-Minute Marvel a lot more. If we had reviewed that one, which we didn't, I think it would have been quite a bit higher on my list. Both because I enjoyed the theme more and because I think they fixed some of the issues for it. But yeah, it just seemed a bit mindless. I didn't mind it uh, playing with other gamers, but like playing it with my son or my wife, it just fell really flat. So not that good of an experience, but I respect that it's an okay game. I don't really mind it that much. It is definitely higher on mine, and we'll talk more about it later. My number 16 is Ghost Stories, and I know this is like considered one of the top co-ops of all time by some people, but certainly not for me. It's very mechanical. I just don't enjoy what you're doing in the game very much. It seems, I don't know, you're just moving and doing an action, and there's some fun stuff in there. And, and like I said, this is where we get to my good game, so everything above here I consider to be at least good, but there's a lot of luck and swinginess in that one too. And people say it's hard, but I've had it go both ways. I've had it be super easy or super hard. Depends on the board layout. Depends on how your dice rolls go. Depends on how the ghosts come out. So it was, it was it's a fine game, but, you know, nothing I'm going to be, you know, trying to pull out anytime soon. All right, my number 15 is Pathfinder, the adventure card game. 
I'm a big D&D player from back in the day, so this is, you know, sort of related to D&D. And I loved this game in the first several plays, and I still like it solo, especially with the app. But as a co-op game, I find it it takes way too long. There's way too much drudgery. To get through, like, an entire campaign is a ridiculous number of missions with not enough variety from mission to mission. And I will say this is based on uh, getting all the way through the original set and then playing some of the, uh, like, Skull and Shackles pirate set. So I'll freely admit that I've not played the later ones, the later releases, and I've heard that they are better. But based on what I have played, I find this, after playing it a bunch, to be a fairly frustrating game to play. It's not fun to put together gigantic dice pools and then add together all these different die results. The balance is weird. Some characters don't work as well as others. So yeah, just a... Uh, it is it is fun for a while, and I think later sets might be better, but for what I've played, it's not as fulfilling as I might have hoped. Well, this will prove to you guys that it's on the fly. I didn't even realize we reviewed Pathfinder this year. I still had 20 games, so it'll be interesting to see what game that I have on my list that you didn't have on your list. Oh, crud. Okay. <laughs> Did, so, didn't I send you a spreadsheet with all the games we were reviewing? You did, but I actually went and took it from our episode list, and then I counted, and it was 20, and I was like, oh, okay, good. Oh, this is exciting. There's going to be some surprise game on the list for me. <laughs> so, Pathfinder, I don't even remember reviewing Pathfinder. I got to be honest. That's that's how crazy it is. I never remember doing a full deep dive on it. Maybe we didn't. <laughs> I'm going to type on the computer and look it up while you uh, talk about your next one. All right, but if it was on our list, that would be probably between Dragonfire and Harry Potter. So, like, that would move everything on the bottom down. For me, that would probably be number 18, right after Harry Potter, and between that and Dragonfire. So, my number 15 is Time Stories. So, we just said a big thanks to Jamie at the beginning of the episode. I know it's his favorite co-op of all time, and maybe his favorite game of all time. Sorry, it is not that way for me. And... I think you can, you know, people who have listened to enough of our episodes can probably figure it out. I'm not huge into these story-driven games. I like narrative in my game, don't get me wrong, and I like puzzle-solving games. For some reason, they just don't work well together for me. I don't want, I don't know. It's just a lot of reading, a lot of repetition in time stories. So um, while I've individually liked some of the cases... Overall, for me, it's it's not a game that I typically want to get to the table. Although, saying that, I probably will play through every case at some point, because I know Jerry likes it enough that he'll want to play through them all, and I'm kind of interested to see you know what they do unique each time. So, while it's all the way down at 15 for me, it is probably something that I will play more of. And like I said, these are all good games here at the bottom. So, just real quick, looks like we reviewed Pathfinder in July of this year all right well there you go pathfinder my number 18 out of 21 <laughs> but who knows maybe the game that you found is one that it was also on the list and we actually have 21 games and we <laughs> we both messed up on one that's all right well let's keep going so what but we you... are pretty simpatico here because my number 14 was time stories and i will say that i still love a lot of the design here and like the core kind of underlying concepts what I have had pretty negative experiences with is most of the expansion content. I still think the core game, the mystery in that one, is 
by a pretty wide margin, my favorite experience with the game. And we've played a lot of the sets since then, even ones that people said were some of their favorites, and I was very underwhelmed by them. My wife, who uh, I played with for several of them, felt the exact same way. So I'd like to think, kind of like with Detective, or maybe Pathfinder with later things, I'd like to think that there will be cases that I will love again down the line. But taking it as an entire series right now, I generally am not excited to play it as much as I was for that very first mystery. And I still, I mean, I, I will never like the way they've implemented the sort of Groundhog Day-ish time travel thing. Except for maybe like one of the cases we've played, it always feels like just an arbitrary way to lengthen the game. And I'm just really, as a game designer, I'm very frustrated by that. It's like, give me a great one-and-a-half-hour experience. Don't turn it into a three-hour mediocre experience. Yeah, and I think games like Time Stories and Detective, the reason also that they're at the bottom of my list is I'm not up for a three-hour game of, of these kind of things. You know, not when there's Unlock out there, not when there's Time Stories out there. Or not Time Stories, not when there's Exit out there. You know, they give me the same feeling and do it in a one-hour time period. Now, I know they don't have the story that these other ones do, but I agree with you. I don't want to spend three, four hours doing something that it should only take me an hour to do. Absolutely. So my number 14 might be the one you missed because it was a part of a dual episode. My number 14 was Hanabi. No, I have Hanabi. All right. So let's see where else I messed up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Hanabi, I like it. I just haven't played it enough. I'll be honest. It had been a while since I played it when we did the episode, and I haven't played it since then. It's not something that, you know, I've desired to get to the table. You have it. I don't. And so I remember it being a good game, but not anything that I uh, that I loved. It's weird because you compared it a lot to The Mind, and I do love that game. So maybe if I got it back to the table, I would like it more now, you know, than I did when I originally played it. So that's my number 14, Hanabi. All right. My number 13 is Ghost Stories. Peter already mentioned it. I think it's a decent game, has some good ideas, and clearly influenced some great co-op designs afterwards. But it is a little swingy with difficulty, not quite balanced with the player powers, which does annoy me quite a bit. And the gameplay gets pretty repetitive. So it's an okay game, but certainly not worthy of being any higher than 13 for me. And my lucky number 13 is Forbidden Desert. Ah, there you go. That's where you messed up. Forbidden Desert, you did with Steve. We didn't do that episode together. Well, it's still number 13 on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I just did the ones I covered. No, I didn't put a Tale of Pirates in here. But uh, yeah, Forbidden Desert, my number 13. That is a game I still pull out. I still play. We're starting to get to the games for me where I still want to play them pretty regularly. And so... Near the bottom of that list, though, is Forbidden Desert. Great family game. I still like Island better. And when we get into our review of Forbidden Sky, because I just bought that one, we will talk about where that falls in the trilogy. Yeah, if I had put Desert on here, it probably would have been around like the 15, 16, so a little bit lower than you. Definitely not as good for uh, me as Island is. My number 12 is Flashpoint Fire Rescue. And this was a weird one because, as we said in our review, I was very meh on the game without the expansion. But with the expansion, it's actually quite a bit of fun. So, I don't know, this 12 place kind of feels like it's halfway between. Like, if I'm only thinking of it with the expansion, then maybe it's like 10 or 9. 
if I'm thinking even without the expansion, maybe it's down to like 16 or 17. But it's a pretty good game. Still great for families. I like that they have like sort of the family and the more serious mode. The expansion, though, I will say is pretty much a requirement for me. I mean, I think casual gamers will enjoy it either way, but anybody who's a serious gamer will probably see some of the flaws in the design pretty quickly unless you play with the expansion. So, Flashpoint Fire Rescue, my number 12. Cool. All right, so my number 12, and I know this is going to be higher on your list, is Magic Maze. And I like some of the things it did. I like some of the lack of communication. I like the way they tried to solve Alpha Player. It was fun. I liked it. Not as high as some of the other games. So I do like some of the unique things that it came up with, but I don't know. There was something lackluster for me. It just... It seemed like you came up with a strategy and then you kept doing that strategy, which, don't get me wrong, it would have to be different every game and it's going to be different with every group. But, I don't know, for the length of it and for the amount of satisfaction I got from winning it, which always seemed like I was just out of breath at the end and I was never excited to win, I was just excited that it was over. So, while I appreciate a lot of things the game was doing, it wasn't exciting for me. So that's why it's down at my number 12 magic maze oh man pretty low my number 11 is the reckoners and it's interesting if i had to rate uh the book series i read this year the reckoners would be in my top three and i've read a lot of books this year but uh the game itself was good like it's it's right at the middle point of my games and actually everything from here on even flashpoint kind of but definitely the reckoners are games that i enjoy playing and don't really have major issues with but yeah, the Reckoners did a great job with Simultaneous. My wife really liked it. My only real major complaint is that I don't think there's enough variety, and I think they should have had more varied powers for the the enemies in the game. And the interesting thing is when I talked to uh, one of the designers about it, they said they used to, and they cut them out. And that was a really sad thing for me, because I was like, man, your game could have been so much better if you hadn't. But it's still a really good one. A little expensive for what it has, but definitely a nice design. And my number 11, keeping with my real-time, is Escape, The Curse of the Temple. So I know this is one you went all in on after we did the review of it. I like the game okay. I have fun every time I play it. Unlike Magic Maze, at the end, I'm super excited when we win. So this is a real-time game that I really have had fun with. But there is, you know, other games that are real-time that I like better, which will be coming up either later on this list or in future years, maybe we'll cover. Yeah, I will say I did go all in on it, but I got it at a crazy discount, so I got the second big box for Escape for like 30 bucks. So it wasn't a very expensive all-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, but with stuff like Kitchen Rush out there, with stuff like Project Elite, which I know you didn't like as much as me, even with stuff like 5-Minute Dungeon, which obviously hasn't shown up yet, I mean, I like all those better. So for me, while I like the game, and I have fun every time I played it, I'm never going to say no to it. It's, you know, that's why it's kind of in the middle of my list, though. I, I really enjoyed it, but, you know, not as good as those other ones. All right, my number 10, going back to one Peter had a little bit uh, earlier, is Hanabi. And this is one I really like with my wife. She certainly enjoys it a lot. It gives you some really nice chances for clever card play and giving clues that kind of have hidden meanings behind them. But I will say the mind has eclipsed it quite a bit. And I think it would be tough to get out Hanabi at this point because the mind does kind of hit some of the same emotional buttons but does it better. But Hanabi's still a great game, incredibly cheap to get. I think anyone who enjoys games might as well have a copy. It's definitely a lot of fun. 
Cool. So, we, yeah, we've reached the top half of our list now. So I'm only saying that because this one's going to make you really sad. My number 10, Sentinels of the Multiverse. No, actually, I, I thought it might have been lower for you, so I don't mind it being number 10. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those games. It's funny. I fondly remember back playing it the first time and loving the game and really having a great time with it and trying to introduce it to my kids when they were way too young. And, you know, they had fun with it, but there was a lot of reading going on and they had a hard time with it. And just the more I've played it since then, it's actually gone down progressively. But at the same time, like, it really is fun to play. Like, it's one of those weird ones where... It's not fun to manage, but it is fun to play. Like, I enjoy what I do. I just don't enjoy running the AI, both the environment and the enemy, which in some games doesn't bother me, but in Sentinels, for whatever reason, it just does. I like the combos you can do, and with as many characters as out for the game now, you have unlimited, you know, learning curve there. But each of the decks kind of does its thing, and, you know, you're going to kind of try to get the same combos each time. So I, I wouldn't want to necessarily play with the same deck, you know, over and over and over either. So for me, Sentinels, again, it's a good game, just right in the middle of my list at number 10. All right, so the next nine things on my list, it's interesting to look at this. I think all but two of them are games I have been able to successfully play with my six-year-old, and that definitely has a major influence on why these games are where they are. And yeah, and actually, it's, it's funny, looking at all the games below, I was not able to successfully play any of them. Actually, except Harry Potter. I did get a few games in of that before you got bored with it. So my number nine is Forbidden Island. I'll still stand by what I said in episode zero, that it's one of the best intro games. And it's just a ton of fun. I think it's still the best of the Forbidden series, although I haven't played Sky yet. I still like it better than Pandemic as well. I just think the way the island sinks and how the tension ramps up is one of the best tension builders of any cooperative game ever designed. It's just awesome. So, yeah, really simple, really cheap game. You should all have it. Forbidden Island, number nine. Yeah, and my number nine is The Reckoners. So just a few spots above where you had it. It would be much higher if it had more replayability, as you said. It's funny because they could have easily put an expansion in there. You know, something you don't play with your first time, but like an advanced variant or an expansion, but they put it in the box. But the reason it's a little bit higher on my list, I think, is when I think of this game, I think of that simultaneous turns and how quick it is to resolve. I mean, it does everything Thanos Rising was trying to do but successfully does it. And it pointed out to me the difference between simultaneous and non-simultaneous actions. And it is really driven a lot of my thoughts on game design and my thoughts on co-op design. And it just does it really well. And I also remember more moments from that game. You know, I only played it probably seven or eight times, but I can remember the end of almost every one of those games. It's one of those games where you're, it's really tense at the end and you just pull off amazing combos. Now, it seems to happen more often than not where you do pull off those combos on that last turn, or at least my group did. But it's still cool to do. It's still really cool to, like, move here and do this, and I'm going to use this dice to do that, and use this card to, like, do, like, 27 points of damage in one round to uh, to steal heart. So, I don't know. I have some real good memories of the end of that game. And again, that simultaneous play really changed the way I think about designing co-op games. So, you know, for that reason also, you know, it's number nine. But 
I don't know if it's 100% number nine for gameplay or, you know, for, for what it's done for me this year. Yeah, it's a fair point. My number eight is Escape. Yeah, this one did go way higher for me. When we reviewed it, I wasn't that into it, but then I borrowed it from you and really, really enjoyed it. Especially now that I've gotten expansions, it's way better. Like This is one of those games that really adds some really cool stuff with certain expansions. So if you can get the big box edition, one of them, then that's definitely the, the best deal you should go for. This one has been interesting, though, because even now after I bought it, I don't pull it out on my own that much. But my son requests it all the time, my wife requests it all the time, and my more casual game group requests it all the time. So I've sort of been dragged into enjoying it, but man, I really do enjoy it. Like, it's super fun, it's not that tough to set up or anything, it plays really simply, and every casual player I play it with adores the game. It's such a great game, you always gotta play it like three or four times in a row when you pull it out. So, definitely a good real-time game. For me, way, way better than 5-Minute Dungeon. But uh, I, I definitely, I, I know we have very different tastes in real-time games. The more that we talk, that's pretty pretty clear. But we can enjoy it with each other, so that's the most important part. Speaking of 5-Minute Dungeon, my number 8 is 5-Minute Dungeon. Hey, there you go. So, and for a lot of the same reasons you said, I do enjoy playing this myself. I know for some people, and, and I think it's different when you're playing with adults and with kids as well. For some people, they've easily gotten through all the dungeons. My kids and I are still working our way through all these dungeons. They love playing it. Every time I mention it, they're like, oh, yeah, let's play that. I love the fact that I can play it in five minutes before school. All right, kids, go off to school. Daddy will clean up while you're gone. So it is a game that hits the table quite a bit for that. Even games like The Mind, which are pretty quick to play, don't play in five minutes. So I think there's a lot of value in that for me as well. So fairly inexpensive, very family-friendly. I would still play it with gamers, and I think we'd have a blast. Although, again, I think you might hit a difficulty ceiling where maybe it would be too hard to make the game even harder for you. So, because I know that for Colin, he said that, you know, for 5-Minute Marvel, he beats it pretty easily. I haven't played enough with adults to do that, to beat the highest level pretty easily. So, for me, it's still a lot of fun and definitely something great to play with the family. So, my number 7 in this game did fall off a bit. And I actually don't own it anymore. I traded it away. But I still put it very high because I enjoyed it a lot. I traded it because it's kind of been replaced by a few other games. Sentinels of the Multiverse. No. <laughs> Be quiet. Uh, number seven for me is Eldritch Horror. And I still think it's a really nice, streamlined take on kind of the Arkham Files. I do enjoy it more than Arkham Horror 2nd Edition and then Elder Side and, and a lot of other uh, games in that kind of genre. I think it's, it's a fun mix of action and horror. Probably more focused on the action. I feel a bit more like Indiana Jones than like some kind of typical Lovecraftian, shy sort of person. But yeah, it's a fun game. It's got good variety, especially if you get that first expansion. It can feel a little bloated at time. It can feel a little fiddly to take care of everything, which is kind of what led me to trade it away. But it's also just a pretty amazing experience. My son really loved it, and he's still kind of bummed out that I don't have it anymore. And, uh, yeah, really, really nice take on the theme, nice variety with the mystery cards, and it's it's the same goodness that Fantasy Flight has been doing with these games, but uh, even, again, improved over Arkham Horror 2nd Edition. Cool. All right, so my number seven is probably the most volatile game on my list, and this is also the last one I put in my good games. Some people like, some people won't. 
list and all my ones above this, I think, like I said, are, are no question buys for me. And this is Street Masters. So I have really mixed feelings on this game. Really mixed feelings. Because I did have fun playing it. And even when I played a solo mission for three hours one day, I still enjoyed myself. I do think there are issues with multiplayer. I think the simultaneous fixes it, though. I'm glad that they're putting that in as an official variant. Certainly something we, you know, picked up on pretty quickly that you could play simultaneously. I think if I play it more simultaneous and enjoy it as much as I had with my solo plays, then it would probably move up on my list. But it still has some of the problems, although not as bad. And it's interesting because it takes a lot of its core from Sentinels of the Multiverse. But I think because it has the tactical movement and the board movement, the AI stuff doesn't bother me as much. When the AI is saying, move this here and do this there, that is more exciting for me than a card saying, do three fire damage. Like, all right, why does it matter that it's fire? And like, you know, which which modifiers do I have to apply to it? So yeah, for me, it takes what Sentinels did. And again, Sentinels was 10, so it's not that much above it. But I, I do enjoy the board aspects of it. But downtime's a real problem in the base game. So I've played it a couple times simultaneous. Hopefully that keeps it fun continuing to play it simultaneous. Yeah, my number six is Deep Madness. This one really surprised the heck out of me. I think Colin had it originally, and he was supposed to do a playthrough and review of it. But then he uh, this is when he was not sure if he was going to do many videos anymore. So he sent it over to us. And yeah, this one knocked my socks off. Like, it's still up there with my favorite sort of dungeon crawler-ish games of all time. Really fun. Can get a little fiddly, can take a while, so similar to Eldritch Horror, like it's a little bit more than I want sometimes. But that being said, it's got such great tension, such great theme, really interesting tactical choices. Really cool game. I want to play it more. Peter's kind of taken it, so (laughs) we'll have to play it together at some point. But man, it's, it's a really good one. I guess the second Kickstarter is done now, so you might have to wait a while before you have a way, unless they're doing, like, uh, late backing kind of stuff. But Deep Madness is a pretty great game. Yeah, well, you're more than welcome to borrow Eldritch Horror, because I didn't get rid of that, and you're more than welcome to borrow Deep Madness. And speaking of Eldritch Horror, my number six is Eldritch Horror. So oh, just, wow, really close. Yeah, one spot above yours. Although I think I like it a lot more than you do, just based on your comments For me, I'm still not getting rid of it. Even if I owned Arkham LCG, even if I owned Arkham 3rd Edition, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit more next episode when we talk Arkham. But for me, those are both story-based, whereas Eldritch is still, while story-focused, it's still more of a pandemic-like board game experience where, you know, you've got this huge board and you're running around putting out fires and, and taking care of narrative things. It just feels very different for me. And it's funny that you describe Deep Madness and Eldritch as fiddly because, I mean, I guess this goes to, you know, if you haven't listened to it yet, listen to last week's episode with Steve and Elijah because they talked about fiddliness. Neither of these games are fiddly for me. It's very funny and I don't like running games very much. And maybe that's it. Maybe, again, it goes back to narrative based or, or lots of words on card stuff. But like Street Masters and Sentinels are way more fiddly for me than Eldritch or Deep Madness. And so, yeah, I don't mind running Eldritch. I don't mind playing it. You know, it's a little long, but I don't even mind that because it's pretty casual at the same time. So, I don't know. For me, it just works. So, yeah, my number six is Eldritch Horror. Cool. 
My number five, pretty sure this will be higher for you, but it is The Mind. This one, yeah, it seems, I know you're going to say probably similar stuff, it seems like it should just be a dumb, like, non-game. When I first heard about it, that's what I thought it was. But it is fabulous to play with anybody, anytime. Just the kind of, the mind meld you get into while you're playing it is so exciting, especially when you play a few games in a row. I'm smiling really big just thinking about it. Like, I'd love to just grab my wife and play it again soon uh, if, if I can find the time. Yeah, w- what a great game. Just to, like, bring to a party, to bring to a game night, whatever. I, I know some people just do not jive with it. And, I, and maybe we play a little too fast and loose with the communication, but who cares? It's our game. But, yeah, The Mind is a huge hit for us in my house. Well, and it's funny. We Yes, we do a lot of body language. We do a lot of stuff. I mean, I almost view it as... I mean, not to the point of charades where you're acting out what number you have, but I mean, a l- there's definitely a little bit of acting in there, a little bit of squinching up your face, a little bit of funny stuff, but it's not like we're beating it every time. I mean, I know you said Dave and his wife, like, go play it and they're getting perfect scores without losing any life. We're not doing that at all, you know, We're st- and we're still having fun with it. So, you know, maybe we're fast and loose, but maybe that's also what's adding to the fun of the game as well. Absolutely. But I'm not to the mind yet. I know you're not surprised by that, but we we haven't gotten there yet. But we are at my number five, which is Forbidden Island. Oh, wow. Very high. Well, and it's funny. I wrote probably lower because it's older. It's interesting because my top three are definitely new games for this year. And again, the top six, it's funny. So my next three, my four, five, and six are some of the older games that we're covering. And my top three are all new this year. And maybe they separated a little bit because of that, because there's a little bit of Cult of the New, a little bit of Shine on some of these games. But Forbidden Island's been near the top for a while for me of games to play. I really do enjoy playing it. I don't know. Have you ever played with alternate map setups? Yes, but only a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not earth-shattering, right? I mean, it's not something that totally changes the game, but I don't know. Maybe it's nostalgia for me, too, with Forbidden Island, but I just really enjoy it every time. It is my favorite iteration of the Forbidden series and even Pandemic so far. I, I like it, you know, more than Pandemic or, I mean, Season 1 might be higher for me, but just base Pandemic, I, I like Forbidden Island more than. So, I don't know. It's just so straightforward so easy to play you can kind of play with anybody it's a great intro game for people to not only co-op games but just gaming in general and for what is it i think it's like 20 bucks the components you get for it are just amazing people still haven't mimicked the way the tension rises in that game i don't think anybody else has done it as right as they have so i don't know it just hits a lot of a lot of sweet spots for me so it's my number five forbidden island so my number four, this was my most recently reviewed uh, video. Well, maybe, maybe when this podcast comes out, we'll have more ones. But recently reviewed, Chronicles of Crime. This is one of the top mystery games I've played in my life. I love the way the app works. The VR crime scene investigation just blows my mind with how uh, immersive and fun it is. And yeah, I've, I've played this with my wife, with my son, with gamers, Everybody loves it. I want them to keep releasing cases forever. It might be on the, a little bit on the easy side, but to be honest, I want that. I'm not somebody who's like looking for impossible to solve cases. Clearly, Detective failed for us partially because we didn't solve things as well as we could have. So the fact that Chronicles of Crime, we tend to do really well. Maybe it's me wussing out as a mystery gamer, but whatever. It's how I enjoy it. 
So yeah, Chronicles of Crime, my number four. I'm actually surprised it's that low for you. I mean, not trying to give too much away, but yeah, I mean, I know some of the other games, obviously, that we haven't covered yet, and I knew they were going to be high for you, but I guess I'm surprised at how high. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, I'll tell you some stories as we get into my top three. Okay. Why don't you do your number four first? Cool. My number four is Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Like I said, my four, five, and six, Eldritch, Forbidden Island, Flashpoint, they're some of the older games on the list. I think they are more likely to stay here near the top, where some of these other ones may have some volatility and may fall out, and even stuff like Street Masters may jump in. But I think these three are pretty set near the top of, of what I enjoyed. So Flashpoint Fire Rescue, I'll be honest, before this year, I never played it beyond the family game. And I thought it was a good game, and I played it a lot at the family game level because both of my kids love that game. And we play it all the time, you know, without adding characters and stuff. But I was always scared because of the hazmats and all that stuff to increase in level. Well, I did it, and I only played it once or twice that way on the the full game version in the base box. And then I played with the special events, and I will never go back. That expansion makes it just great for me. So really enjoyed my plays of Flashpoint Fire Rescue. My kids have aged now to the point where they're enjoying it with the higher level of complexity as well. It's not too much for them. So just a really great game to play with the family, Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Yeah, and I'm really happy to hear that. I mean, anytime gamers can get their kids involved, it's pretty amazing. Well, and it scales better than almost any game as far as complexity goes, because that family game really is pretty easy to learn. And the core lessons you learn from that carry through the base game. It's not like the advanced game is that much harder. You have different number of, you know, actions associated with it or whatever. They add actions in. But it's still pretty easy to learn, and it scales well in difficulty if you want that kind of game that's going to carry through with you. I guess kind of what Harry Potter was trying to do, making it easy at the beginning and then getting more and more complex as it goes on, I think Flashpoint does it way better. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Speaking of something that can get easy at first and then get more complex, my number three, and this is the weirdest one on my list, is Magic Maze. Wow. Yeah, I know. And, and even, even, even like looking at it, I'm like, really? It's a number three? I don't know. <laughs> um, so a few things. Number one, I've been able to play this with my son recently. And we went through the whole progression of having full talking and then having a little bit of talking and then having no talking and adding in like harder and harder things. And he's only six years old, but we're rocking Magic Maze, man. We we play at like the sort of medium standard difficulty and we, we destroy it and it's, it's awesome. And it's very similar to the mind in that you get into this limited communication kind of psychic headspace with each other. But the fact that it's a real-time game, that the entire thing takes maybe five or six minutes total, is a nice kind of bonus for it. Right. And... I don't know, when you're playing and not talking, just doing everything really, really well and seeing what each other sees and warning each other of stuff without saying anything, it's it's just really exciting and it gives me kind of a, a special feeling. And yeah, I don't know, because I don't love it that much solo. I know this is a co-op list, but I find the solo fairly difficult and kind of underwhelming. I know you don't love it that much. I know uh, some of my gamer friends that I showed it to, they kind of had a negative experience because of the limited communication, and that's my fault with how I presented it, honestly. But playing with my wife and with my son, I'm just having so much fun with it. And it is one of my top real-time games of all time right now. That's awesome. Yeah. And, like, I haven't gotten the expansion yet. 
I don't need to for a while because people I'm playing with would probably not want that extra difficulty. I am interested in the Magic Maze Kids that I think is coming to the United States at some point. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it should be lower on my list, but whatever, man. It's It's been so great with my family and especially with my son. And just those plays have been special to me. And, and honestly, it feels like the most cooperating I've done out of any game on this list except for maybe The Mind. Well, yeah, Definitely the to. most cooperative. Yeah, exactly. You have to. Like, the game literally forces you more than any other real-time game I've ever played. Yeah, so having that with my son, because uh, I've not been able to play The Mind with him, I don't know. It's, it's definitely put it in a special place for me. That's really cool. Now, why haven't you played The Mind with him? You don't think he could handle... No, it just hasn't come up. Uh, it's, it's not like I've tried it and it's failed horribly. I, I think he probably would enjoy it, so maybe that'll move The Mind up for me. But yeah, for whatever reason, as a dad... When my son really likes a game, it like immediately catapults it like eight to ten spaces on the list. That happened with our uh, our top twenty for all the the people on the podcast a few months back as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Flashpoint and Forbidden Island; those two are almost exclusively with my kids, and they were my four and five. So, you know, I, I totally get that. Yeah. All right, my number three, maybe my number one dungeon crawl of all time: Deep Madness. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. It's really good. Now, again, this is with the caveat that I play with the variant that Mike came up with, which is I remove all those whatever tokens they're called, those little tiny fiddly ones. Devour tokens, I think they're called. Yeah, the devour tokens. I don't play with those at all because I think the game's a little too hard as it is as a base game. And I think the devour tokens just add an extra level of complexity I don't want. It's like one of those things that I think it could be a good advanced variant. Maybe when we get better at the game and we're beating it too easily, that'll be a, a way to change the difficulty. But I don't want to deal with them for now. They're too small. They make flipping the board over and doing everything else seemingly harder. They would take too much brain space to think about. It's like one more thing to think about while you're doing things. But without that stuff, I love it. And I don't mind moving the guys around on the board. In fact, you know, we... <laughs> my I think my son's favorite part of the game is adding monsters to the board, believe it or not. <laughs> So he loves, he's like, oh, can we just add monsters and then play it tomorrow? I'm like, no, no, we're going to add monsters while we're playing it because I'm not going to remember where we are in the turn sequence. That's like the first thing you're supposed to do. <laughs> so because of my own inadequacies, I put my bed, uh, son to bed sad some nights because uh, we haven't spawned the monsters yet. But he's always excited to get them out and do it the next day. So uh, I, I don't know what it is about that game. I don't like Cthulhu theme generally, although I say that in Eldritch Har is near the top of my list. But it's not something that calls to me, per se. But for whatever reason, you know, and I didn't play a lot of Bioshock either, so it's not that nostalgia. The underwater thing doesn't do anything for me. I just think they did a really good job with the mechanics. And it got area movement right. Unlike Sword and Sorcery for me, which seemed to take every bit of tactical elements out of the game. And I think it's because they had small, thin corridors and there weren't ways, like several ways to get around stuff and different choices you could have. For me, the tactical movement, the puzzle solving in Deep Madness is just second to none. And uh, I really like the puzzling nature of it. It's not just a combat beat-em-up. All right, so my my top two, if you've been paying attention, <laughs> one is a game and one is a game inspired by that game. <laughs> yes. So the question is, and, and I'll say that I've been going back and forth on these two. I didn't change them today, but I did change them several times in the last week. So my number two is... Street Masters. Oh, really? Yes. 
And I'll tell you why. And you, you touched on this already. If I was doing a solo list for the year of games we reviewed, Street Masters would be at the top, absolutely. And compared to the other game that's left, it plays solo so smoothly, so quickly, so much fun. And you could play with one character, which you can't for a lot of games. Well, that, that, that's, that's what I mean. Like That's exactly why it plays so nicely. But Street Masters is incredible in its use of theme. No game has gotten me nearly as excited this year as Street Masters, like giving me as much tension in my play as Street Masters. And I am, I'm sort of just like kind of counting the simultaneous mode we we came up with as like an automatic rule now. So if I didn't have that as existing, then it might be a little bit lower because I do think three and four play games would take too long. Well, that counts because Deep Madness, I added my variant in there, so yeah, yeah, sure. it counts. But yeah, so with the simultaneous variant, the game plays really fast. I fully admit that it's fiddly and has a lot to keep track of, but I'm the one doing it, and I do it fine. So <laughs> I help everyone else to enjoy it a lot more. And yeah, the theme just like totally gets me. All the goofy like 80s stuff is right up my alley. Clearly, if you see my video review for this, like it, it blew me away. It just kind of got into my head, and I had to do something goofy for it. So yeah, Street Masters is an amazing game. Didn't quite hit number one for me. Because I think I still love it slightly more as a solo game than a co-op game, and that's the only reason. But uh, yeah, Street Masters is so good, and I'm so excited for the Aftershock content that I kickstarted to deliver sometime next year, I guess. Yeah, these top three for me were also kind of a back and forth in my mind, but once I said it, I've said it, and I I don't think they're going to change anytime soon. So... My number two is the recent hotness for us, which is Chronicles of Crime. So, I mean, after the negative experience we had with Detective, maybe that boosts Chronicles of Crime even more, but I don't think so. It's just so creative. It's so innovative. Putting on doing that VR mode is just so much fun. I love, I mean, I think Unlock was near the top of my list last year. I love mystery solving, puzzle solving games like that, but I do want them to be a certain level of difficulty because I think the most frustrating part of any of these games is when they are too hard and you get lost and you can't find your way out. They just get frustrating for me at that point. So maybe it's a little easy, but I don't mind. Like it is the perfect level of difficulty for me. And even when I start to get frustrated, it's going to be over soon anyway. So I don't mind that as well. So even with the escape room games that it doesn't bother me because typically they're short enough where, you know, you don't get frustrated for a long period of time. And then when we get to the end and I get to see the, the answer, then I'm really excited again. So yeah, for me, Chronicles of Crime does everything right. It's everything I'd ever want in a detective game. I don't think I'd like. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I certainly didn't like Detective, a modern board game. So second to top and second to bottom. Detective, second to bottom. Chronicles of Crime, second to top. So my number two, Chronicles of Crime. Oh, that's funny because my my rankings are similarly mirrored. Chronicles of Crime was my fourth and Detective was my 17th, fourth from the bottom. So (laughs) interesting little thing there. That was not on purpose. I don't think for either of us. Yeah, of course not. All right, so my number one, you already know it if you've been paying attention. This one, there's no way, no way at the beginning of the year, because I played this game. This is not new to me this year. There's no way if you'd said Sentinels of the Multiverse would be my number one game reviewed this year that I would ever have thought you were like even close to being true. 
I, I didn't like the game that much when I played it in previous years. Even when we did the episode, I think I was fairly lukewarm on it. Yes, yes, you were. And then I borrowed my friend's copy because it just kind of got in my head. And, man, it has the best character buildup of any game. It's better than Street Masters. And playing a new character is like an entirely new experience. When you throw in the new villains, same thing. When you throw in the new environment, same thing. Street Masters has the advantage of the tactical play, but I do think the decks are more interesting and varied in Sentinels, primarily because they don't have to worry about the board. They can just do whatever wacky thing they want. Yes, it's fiddly. Yes, it's tough to keep track of things. Yes, I use an app to track all of everybody's uh, health at this point because it's kind of annoying to do it otherwise. But all that being said, it is an amazing game and an amazing co-op game. And I didn't really realize this. This, you know, Most of these, I said, went up with my son playing them. And he played Sentinels, and that definitely boosted it for me. But it was also boosted when my regular game group came over. And they were like, hey, what's that? And we played it like six times in a row. And I don't get a chance to play Sentinels with three or more players very often. We're always having to like do a variant rule for two players or each control two heroes or that kind of a thing. But man, like it, it just goes so quickly and flows so smoothly and is so much fun with an actual three, four, or five person group, it really blew me away and just gave me a new appreciation for the co-op nature. There's so many combos you can do with each other. There's so many like cool little tricks you can pull off. Not only have I been playing it a lot in the actual game, and I've spent hundreds of dollars getting all these expansions for it, including all these fan-made expansions, but I also got the app again. I've been playing the app like I play the app multiple times every day now. But unlike a lot of app games where I'm like, well, I don't really want to play the board game anymore, it just makes me want to go home and play the board game of Sentinels more and try out the, the goofy things that I have that the app doesn't have yet. Now, do you have all the expansions and stuff for the app? No, I bought – I did I did plug down $25 recently to get the first half of the expansions. I've not done the other half yet because I want to kind of like slow my introduction to the characters. I, I like to play them in the card-based version first before I play them in the app. Oh, okay. But – yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, man. This is this is like a bit of a lifestyle game for me. Now, I'm glad that it's over. Like, I, I have Oblivion and a few other small expansions again, and then theoretically there will never be anything else. So I'm, I'm glad it's not like Arkham, where i got to keep on buying hundreds of dollars worth of stuff every year. But, yeah, it's just, uh, theme-wise, it is the greatest superhero game. And I think you agreed with this. It is the greatest superhero game of all time. Oh, yeah. And, and I just, I, I love that. I, I love feeling like such an awesome hero when i play it yeah we'll have to play it again more because i'll be honest all my experiences are with the base content so maybe it would rise for me even higher if i'd played anything beyond the base game well now that i know the content better i could be a much better teacher same thing with street masters like i know exactly which environments like what i've been doing in my recent plays is i'll like change one thing but then scale back the other stuff to make it really easy. So as an example, I just played Progeny, and he's just ridiculous. Like, he doesn't have any minions. He's got a lot of life. He has, like, all these cards that hurt you every time you hurt him or make you discard cards every time you hurt him. So what I do with that kind of thing is I'll play on an easy environment that I already know really well so that I don't have to, like, get confused by all the effects Right, that makes sense. And I'll play with heroes I know well. So I'm, like, slowly adding new content. Instead of doing, like, four new heroes, a new environment, and a new villain where it's really hard. Because even for me, the game has so much stuff to keep track of, it can be kind of difficult sometimes. But if I play it that way until I kind of learn somebody, 
then, you know, the gloves are off and I can just go back and forth in as much variety as I want. And now they have, like, the variants for the heroes, which, you know, it's a single different card, but it changes up the heroes in major ways. Yeah, I mean, that game is, like, up there with Arkham Horror LCG for me at this point. It's a game that I love having all the content for, and I could just see me kind of playing it for years and years to come. That's awesome. Well, maybe One Stop Co-op Shop YouTube channel will become the Sentinels of the Multiverse versus Lord of the Rings LCG playthrough videos. That'll be the only thing left on the channel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think Arkham is still above Sentinels for me, but was it from this year, so... Yep, yep. Well, we didn't review it this year. Absolutely. All right. Well, my number one is not going to take that much time, so I'm glad you spent a lot of time on your number one. My number one is The Mind. I, I mean, there's not much more I can say about the game that I haven't said through 20-plus episodes this year. You guys are probably sick of me talking about The Mind at this point. I, I mean, it was it was one of those things. I was looking at it, and I was looking at Deep Madness, and I was looking at Chronicles of Crime, and I'm like... Which one of these games am I for sure going to be playing in 20 years? And it's funny because when we first did this review, you're like, you're not going to be playing that game in 20 years. I can't imagine my life without the mind anymore. I mean, it's so funny. I mean, it's stupid to say, and it is such a stupid little game, but it's a game I went out the other day and I said, well, you know, what am I going to bring with me in case gaming comes up? You know how we as gamers always have that little hope in the back of our mind. You know, we were going out to dinner with this couple we play games with. And I just, what am I going to throw in my pocket to bring with me? And of course it was the mind, you know? So we didn't end up playing games that day, but it's, it's that game. What am I going to bring with me to the holidays with my family who doesn't play games barely at all? I'm bringing the mind. So it's just one of those games that I can't ever imagine not having it with me. It's so small. It's so portable that it's just easy to bring with you. And I have a blast every time I played it. You said it yourself. You were smiling when talking about it. Like, it's just that kind of a game. It's so genius for something that is so dumb. All right, so there you have it. Let's see, I'm trying to think. Which game was highest for both of us? Because our top three was totally different. I guess... Uh, Deep Madness... Oh, Chronicles of Crime, for sure. Well, and, no, in the mind. Because yep. Chronicles was my number four and your number three, right? Two. It was my number two. Yeah, so they kind of tie. Because the mind was my number five and your number one. Yep. And then Deep Madness is right behind them. Yeah, because my number three were kind of very different from your top three, but my four, five, six were very similar to your top three. So nice. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it was a good year for games. So why don't we talk about that as a whole? The new games on here, The Mind, Chronicles of Crime, Deep Madness, Street Masters, The Reckoners. I mean, those are some good games. Yeah, there was Thanos Rising and Detective and Dragonfire this year too. But I think overall, probably... I don't think any year is going to compare to last year. Let's be honest. I mean, you got Spirit Island and you got Gloomhaven in the same year. And Arkham Horror LCG. And Arkham LCG. You know, this year, we certainly have Arkham 3rd Edition, which we haven't covered yet, which is a great game, but it's an iteration on games of the past, and it kind of combines some of my favorite stuff from some of the games, but it's not groundbreaking in the way that some of these other games have been. Yeah, and I like Heroes of Teradoth, but that's just the Warhammer Quest card game with some changes. I, I sort of like Discover and sort of didn't like Discover. I like Kitchen Rush a little bit. But yeah, like, this year's been great, but definitely not as good as last year. Yeah, and one that you haven't tried yet that I think that'll make a lot of people's list is Just One, which, again, is a party game co-op game, which is a lot of fun. But again, I don't I don't know that it would make the top of anybody's list, but it, it was a lot of fun. Right. 
So, yeah, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on the year as a whole? I mean, the big thing for me is about us more than about, like, the gaming kind of industry. And that's just that. It's so crazy now that I'm doing videos on One Stop Co-op Shop with Colin. You know, the podcast is still doing really well. Like, my review series started this year, and then I'm doing playthroughs some, and, you know, kind of interacting with people there, and how much the slack has blown up. I feel more a part of a board gaming community than I ever have in any previous year. I feel like I have more people to talk to, like I'm more included in that community, like I matter more in that community, like I have a voice in that community, and all of that is really amazing. Not just as a designer, but as like kind of a media person covering the, the industry. Yeah, and it's funny. I, I went to two big conventions this year. I went to Origins and I went to PAX U, and I know you didn't make it to either of them, but... I mean, I've started to feel like even on, on the other side of things, on the design side of things, people are starting to realize what we do, you know, from publisher standpoint, from other designer standpoint, and really starting to recognize us from our work on design standpoint. And I know a lot of our stuff hasn't come out yet, but just working with people and, uh, you know, I've started having a local playtest group and that's really taken off. So yeah, I feel like this has been our biggest year of growth for sure. Yeah, I mean, if all goes well, we should have, you know, knock on wood, three or more games on Kickstarter or releasing next year. And I feel really good about all of them, you know, and some of them I think are great games. So it's it's a great year. This has been a great year for designing, and, I, and I'm really excited to see what 2019 brings for us. All right. Well, thank you all. It's been a great year. Again, it wouldn't have been this way without you guys. Is there anything else you wanted to add at the end here, Mike? Or No, I, I put it all out there. But yeah, I love all the people over the Slack that just kind of contribute and talk to us and help out. Thanks to all our listeners, all our viewers over at One Stop Co-op Shop. Colin, Steve, Elijah, I mean, y'all are amazing. Thanks for all the content you create and all the uh, ideas and suggestions you send our way. And yeah, looking forward to another great year. Yeah, and I will say... If you have any interest in joining the community, head on over. There's a link to join the Slack. Head on over there, even if you're just going to lurk. We are going to start running more contests associated with the Slack next year. My goal is to just pick somebody randomly from the Slack when we have something we want to give away, asking them if they want it. And then if they don't, I'll move to somebody else on the Slack. And so we'll use, you know, random number generator or whatever else. But I do want to start doing some giveaways for people on the Slack as well. So even if that's the only reason you want to join, join us over there. It's really been a fun community. I think that's going to be the best way to give things away. Certainly, we've had a lot of activity over there, and there's just a lot of good information. Certainly more than our opinions. All right, well, thanks for joining us again for another great year of Co-OpCast. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-Op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-OpCast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Okay, so there are 45 games on the list. Now, remember, it's new to them this year, or their favorite game 
that was new to them this year, their favorite co-op that was new to them this year. So let me say that all over again. <laughs> so this is their favorite game that is new to them this year. Their favorite co- Ah, jeez. Hey, Mike. Yeah. I guess it's time to say goodbye for the year. Goodbye. For the year. Ha, ha, ha.